Monday, everyone. I am so excited to be sharing this episode with you guys. I actually recorded it this weekend in New York um, in person. So honestly, just like old times, exactly like how I started recording my Solace in the City episodes and then it felt like, you know, once COVID happened and everything was done remote, people just kind of kept running with that and most of my podcasts since then have been remote so it's always nice to just have a real sit down conversation with someone and I was fortunate to have well fortunate enough to have two of those conversations this weekend um but yeah I not sure if y'all care but I had such a great weekend I was in New York um visiting and it really just reminded me how much I love the city I think I left New York back in a year ago, actually, over a year ago now, in December 3rd, 2020. And I left with a poor taste in my mouth of the city because, you know, I'd been there, living there for nine months in a pandemic. Like, it wasn't really fun. And I don't know, I was so nervous to come back and especially in the cold and just spend so much money and, you know, wait in line for bars and blah, blah, blah. But ended up being with such a great weekend. I got a bond with my sister and go out to dinner at an amazing restaurant called Chushu. Everyone check it out. Um, and just, I had such a blast. And I really just reminded me that, you know, that city will always have such a huge place in my heart. Um, before jumping into the episode with Alana, I just want to make a quick shout out to Talkspace because they have been instrumental in my own therapy journey and just that of so many others. And I am definitely one who can recognize how difficult the holidays can be. Um, I mean, not only are there like real life statistics that the holidays are especially hard for people dealing with a mental illness, but I also, or the holidays are also a really difficult time for me, which I actually talk about a little bit in the episode with Alana. Um, but yeah, I, I think now is just the best time to at least, especially the great thing about Talkspace is that you can like literally just download it and have it as like a backup resource. So, you know, maybe you, you just try a month trial for December just to have and then you know, God forbid you're having a really tough day, you pull out your phone, you message your therapist and you have that resource and you get that response in 24 hours. So I, I really feel adamant that it's important to check in with yourself and take care of yourself during this time. Um, and I, with my code, you can get a hundred dollars off your first month of therapy. So even if you just want to use it for the holidays, you get a hundred dollars off. It's the best investment you can make for yourself. Um, so just go to talkspace.com and use the code Zoe at checkout, Z-O-E, and you'll get $100 off your first month of therapy. I can't ex- just express how important it is enough. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited about this episode with Alana. She's awesome. Her dog is adorable. And yeah, without further ado, here is Alana Dunn. Hello. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace and the City. Today, I am so excited and, and so honored to be here with Alana Dunn, who is the host of the podcast Seeing Other People and the mother of Barkley, who is probably the cutest dog I've seen in a really long time. And I'm just staring at him licking some treats off of, <laughs> off of a toy. Um, but Alana, thank you so much for agreeing to come on this podcast. Makes so like. So excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. Also, I think Mother of Barkley needs to officially be in my title everywhere <laughs> for anything I ever do. Like official influencer, like mother of at like the yep. dog's social media. Um, <laughs> Little yeah. Barkley Big World for those wondering. <laughs> yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, if you don't mind just telling me a little bit about yourself. I mean, I, I feel like I know you, even though it's great to meet you today. Um, where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. Story. So life story. I am 27 years old. I live in New York City. I'm from a suburb of New York, Westchester County. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. <laughs> um, I went to Syracuse University. I studied television, radio, film and music business. And I thought I was going to be in the music industry for my entire life. Um, never imagined leaving it. I worked in it for a few years, got super burnt out was not in a good place and knew I needed to do something completely different. That is when I started working at Hinge and my role was to create content that helped people with their dating lives. And I kind of realized over time that the more I opened up about my dating struggles and what was really going on behind the scenes in my life, the more it resonated with people and the more it helped people. And that led me to start a podcast for Hinge called Dating Sucks, which then led me to start go off on my own and start seeing other people, which I am now the host of. That's so awesome. So what kind of were you doing in the music industry? Was it more like production side of things? So I worked for a record label and I was doing like what it was called a creative services. So I was making content. Let's say an artist or a band had an album coming out or a tour coming up. I was taking concert footage, interview footage, behind the scenes, whatever it was from that artist and creating commercials for their new tour, their new song, their new album, creating billboards, um, interviewing them to create social content. So it was really trying to get the word out about whatever they were doing and then also kind of build a deeper connection to the fans. And I also did a few things on the side other than my job at Sony. I managed a band on the side. I ended up working I grew up being a huge Jonas Brothers fan. Same. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Oh, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> and I ended up actually being a Nick Jonas ambassador, which oh it gosh. sounds like, oh, what the heck is that? Um, when I was graduating college, he announced that he wanted to hire a team of fans to work alongside his management company to help improve his connection with his fans. Kind of the whole concept, like nobody knows what the fans want more than the fans themselves. Mm -hmm. So why not actually go to the fans? And so because I worked in music and was also a huge fan, I ended up um, over 3000 people applied. They chose 15. I ended up being one of the 15. And so then I was like suddenly in meetings with him and being like flown to different parts of the country to like go to concerts and meet with him and his management team. And um, it was like the most surreal experience in the world. That is so wild. Wow. That is literally like what I would have dreamed of as, yeah. as like what, a 10 year old, 11 year old. Oh my gosh. You and me both. <laughs> and I feel like just subtle plug with the Jonas Brothers. I feel like that the only or one of the only teen stars who like are still so fucking cool and yep. like normal I yep. mean normal is like not the best word to use but haven't like been corrupted by Hollywood totally Ugh. you know who else I was actually recently thinking about who's like that Hillary Duff yep 
Yeah, same. I've been watching a lot of TikToks about like different stars and she's she's like the one that got away of literally disaster. Yeah. But um oh wow, I'm so I'm so jealous. <laughs> I just would love to meet the Jonas Brothers. I'm staring at a picture of them right now. <laughs> so how did you then pivot into working at Hinge? Like when I guess did you start and were you was I'm trying to think of when kind of dating apps took off was it around that time or was it like a little bit after so i started working at hinge in 2018 so dating apps were definitely i mean like tinder first blew up in 2012 Mm -hmm. um hinge in 2016 was really known as like the friends of friends apps and then around 2017 2018 they were no longer that they were just like more so the relationship app but Mm -hmm. um i mean at least, like, I'm 27, at least for the people I knew, like, everyone was using Hinge at the time. Yeah. It was, like, I, I was on Hinge, I was on Bumble, I was on J-Swipe, but the only app I was actually going on dates from was Hinge, and it was the one I, like, felt the most comfortable on. Um, but I ended up, I, I mean, I never planned to work in dating, ever. That was, like, no one, like, I, I mean, at the time, no one would set out and be like, oh, I want to work for a dating app. Like, they didn't exist. And yeah. What, what the heck would I do in dating? No, also, I was going to work in music forever. Um, but... Going back to one of my side projects was this band that I managed on the side. It ended up being a really, really bad experience. Um, I was dating one of the two guys in the band, and it was a secret from the other guy. And so it ended up being like the most toxic situation I've ever been in. It went on for like eight or so months. Um, And I... When, when it ended, I was in like the, I was at like rock bottom, like the worst place I've ever been in my life. And I didn't, I was already like not having a great experience at my job. I knew, I realized like I wasn't going to do what I wanted to do there. And it, it was going to be really hard. And if I wanted to actually like accomplish what I set out to do in the music industry, I'd probably have to move to LA. And yeah. I was going to move to LA with these, this, these, this band. And, um, I just was very like the music industry, and everything that was going on in my life at the time was just really, really like toxic for me. And so I knew I needed to get out. And I was so lost that way. Like I was applying for probably six months to like any possible job I could find. I didn't care what it was. Like I was applying to jobs at companies where like I was going to have to do like rotational programs for three years where one year I was gonna, literally going to have to do finance. I haven't yeah. taken math since high school. Like I was going on dates with guys and having their roommates help me with my like interview <laughs> projects because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I ended up getting really, I mean, it was like kind of like a really perfect moment where like, I my cousin at the time was working on a project with the hinge marketing team and from his company and heard that they were hiring for a video and content producer. He sent it to me and he was like, this is literally perfect for you. And I looked at the job description. I was like, this is it. I need to get this job. Yeah. And it kind of made me realize like, okay, I, I went into music because I wanted to help people like fall in love with music the same way I did, which was connecting with the Jonas Brothers and feeling like a part of their extended family and a part of everything they were doing. And I realized that I was not, that wasn't going to happen. Um, it could happen, but I wasn't in a place to make it happen. And, I, and so I thought, okay, well, like dating, I mean, I have, I, I'd love to help people with their dating lives. Like that's a different way of helping people. And if that's something that I can do, then great. Like, let me go do it. And um, I ended up getting the job. That's that's so awesome. And it's, it's funny. I have, like, a very similar experience, I mean, in a different industry, but in the sense of working at a really toxic job and 
being at one of like very low points in my life, but definitely a, a low point in my life and being like, I would literally take any other job, even if it's not perfect for me. And like, li- like what's the phrase? Like throwing enough shit at the wall and see what yep. sticks. I like applied, I don't even like BuzzFeed. I'm like, I've never even been, had any media experience, but like <laughs> I was fine at like, BuzzFeed and Spotify and just like just random jobs to get out of the situation I was in and like without knowing anything that I wanted to do. And then similarly came across a job at Talkspace, which is literally a therapy app. And I was like, well, that would be amazing. So it like applied on LinkedIn, no link job, LinkedIn jobs ever work. And I get a contact and I was like, wow, holy shit. Okay. Like interviewed. I was like, this is my dream job. I'm just going to say it right now. And they probably were like, oh my gosh. But yeah, similarly, like it all worked out and is for anyone who's in that situation of feeling like they're totally lost with their job search, just know like if you hold on, something good will come. It just, especially now, the yeah. great resignation, there's so many jobs out there. Also, like if you're miserable in a job, like do not stay there. Yeah. You do not need to be miserable at work. Like you could find a job where you might not love it. It might not be your passion, but you're not miserable and you work from nine to five or whatever the time is and you get through the day and then you have your life outside of that. Like your entire world does not need to be consumed by this job that is making you feel terrible every day. Yeah. I think that's such a lesson that people, especially in New York, need to hear because people get so wrapped up and like, like work, like work automatically has to suck because it's a job. And it's like, well, it's, you know, my job, it sucks, but that's it, it. Like, no, it's not it. There's so many more opportunities out there. And um, ex- like if you're going to spend the majority of your time at a place, like you should be happy there. Yeah. Um, anyways, off topic. But I guess so you when it, I mean, it's interesting that you started working at a dating company after a breakup. Like, yeah, how well, my was dating that? life was in fucking shambles. <laughs> um, it. Honestly, it kind of gave me like a new lease on life where I was able to say like, okay, you know what? I got really, really, really fucking hurt and broken, but like I'm building myself back up and there are other people out there who I now have direct access to who are coming to me saying dating is hard. And I'm like, I can say, yeah, I get it. And that Me saying to them, yes, I get it. Like, I feel you. I know I'm in a similar place. That is what clicked as like, for them, like, oh my God, Hinge gets it. Like, Hinge understands that dating is hard. They're not just saying like, yeah, like, here's a dating app. Go figure it out. They're saying like, we get it. It's hard. And like, we're here to help you through it. And I, I mean, that's kind of the approach that I took to, in terms of the content. And when I started, they were still kind of in startup mode. So they were like, on like, go run with it. Like if you have ideas, go do them. And so I kind of approached it from a sense of like, yeah, it's really hard out there. And you're not just going to like match with somebody and find love. It's not going to work out like that, but like, I'm going to help you through every step of it and I'm here for you. And it ended up being this really amazing thing where people were always DMing the Hinge account, like knowing they were talking to me to give me updates on their dates and to like let me know that like something that they thought was working like ended up not working out. But them seeing me get through my breakup, like inspired them and made them feel like if I could get through it, then they could get through what they're getting through. And I was just like, this is incredible. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. And it's I think, you know, mental health is so similar where people just need to hear that they're not the only ones experiencing anxiety, depression, loneliness, whatever they're going through and having someone say, yeah, I know, like it does suck. Like 
it is hard and I'm right there with you to guide you through and and like be your Sherpa is like mm-hmm. exactly what people need to hear in that time as opposed to like it's okay like you'll find your person like right. when you're least expect it like all the generic things that you just like, stop looking say. and you'll find them yeah exactly <laughs> I think one thing that's interesting with dating apps and for better or for worse is it's opened our world to like a a ton of more choice but with that comes like the paradox of choice and things like that so is there anything you learned from working at hinge that made you like reconsider how people approach dating especially through the apps yeah I mean 100% I know when I was there they did a study to see like what the optimal number of messages back and forth before going on a date was and it was really like like five to 10 messages. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm someone who's a really big texter. So like I'd be down to text somebody for like a month before meeting, you know, but that, that's actually a really big problem because half the time you end up not meeting them at all. And it like just like fizzles out naturally. If you're chatting for a while back and forth before exchanging numbers or trying to set up a date. The other problem is you end up fully like putting them on a pedestal, building up this like dream person in your head and then you meet them and they're nothing like this imaginary creature that you thought was going to be the most incredible thing in the world that you already like were quote unquote in love with before meeting them in person. And so it was really interesting to see that like it to get on a date and decide whether or not you like them like sooner rather than later is actually the best thing you can do for yourself in dating apps. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's definitely something I know is valuable, but it's also you know, then you have to leave your apartment and like go on the date. So there's like, there is that portion. And I guess, do you, I mean, I think one thing that's kind of unique to dating apps is, and like uh, John Berger actually talked about this on our episode, is like, it's kind of, to a certain extent, you're, anal- you're like analyzing the person as you would on like a product on Amazon. You know, you're like, okay, went to a good school is like over six foot, um, all of that. Do you Did you find that, I guess, people were being more particular? I mean, this might be an obvious question, but like more particular on a dating app than they would be if they met someone at a bar. Oh my God, one million percent. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves with like my friends who are like, girls who are like five two or five three, and they're like, I need somebody who's over six foot. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> You literally do not. And the thing is, like, if you met somebody out at a bar and, like, they were sitting at the bar and you went up to get a drink and you guys started talking and you hit it off and you're kind of into them and then they stand up and, like, oh, they're 5'7 and, like, you're still, you're 5'3 height, you would have literally no problem with it. But you would never let your filters on an app go down to 5'7. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And it's so superficial, like everything about, and I know like all the dating apps are working as hard as they can to make it less superficial. But like, if you don't like the way a person looks in their first picture, you're not even going to read the rest of their profile. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. It's also like really hard to make a good profile. Yeah. Like uh, dating apps kind of expect that we can all be content creators about ourselves. And like, even for me, making a profile was difficult and stressful. And And you worked there. (laughs) And like, I worked there and I'm a content creator. And so it's really tough to really be able to see someone on a dating app and and judge whether or not they'd be a good match. And we also think like, okay, well, if this person's like 
yeah, they like check off some of my boxes. First of all, your boxes are probably wrong. Um, but if you're like, well, they check off some of my boxes, but not all, you can just X them or swipe left thinking that the next person's going to check off more of them. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's, it's like, again, like back to the paradox of choice. Like, well, what if there's someone else out there who's better than that last person who I actually liked Exactly. or things like that. It's like that episode of Sex in the City where Samantha like is talking to this guy. Did you see that episode? Where, and then he gets off and he's like five, five. Oh, like, that's so funny. short. Yeah. Hot take. I'm not a fan of, of Sex, Sex and the City. City. <gasps> oh my I gosh. Know. And it's, it's crazy because so many people are like, Alana, you need to like how, how you have to keep trying again. And I've probably tried again nine times and it's just not for me. Fair, fair, agree to disagree. Ugh, love, I mean, uh, literally my podcast is yep. a pun on that. <laughs> but what do you find? And like, again, I, I don't know if you have the the insights into this, but like, what did you find to be the most successful, I guess, like prompts or um, questions or pictures or whatnot mm-hmm. to lead to a connection or like a for lack of a better term a good dating profile yeah I think the biggest thing that people overlook and and kind of leave out of their profile is a way to start a conversation mm-hmm. like think about how like how many times you match with someone and you're like oh I just like don't know what to say and so in a prompt you should not just like answer the prompt question but you should also then pose it back to them like let's say it was like, what's your tip? Like tip my typical Sunday. I'm like, wake up, like walk my dog, go back to bed and then try and find like a new restaurant in the area. Like what's, is there one you discovered lately? Something like that. Or like, like that's good. A day in the life. Like I do this, I do that. I go on a run in central park. Like, have you discovered like, or are you down to like picnic in the park? Something like that. Um, I'm having a brain fart right now, but anything where you can kind of show something about who you are, but then also invite them to go back with you on it. Like invite them to have a conversation. Like it has to be a conversation at prompt. It can't just be like, well, I know the best spot in town for pizza. It has to be like, I know the best spot in town for like really cheesy deep dish. And there's actually a karaoke bar next door. Like, what song are you going to sing when we go? Yeah, like, put it back for them to to add their own input. I love that. That's such a – I never thought about that before. So were you dating while you worked at Hinge? Yes. So I had a few different dating experiences while I worked at Hinge. For a while, I was, like, on the apps dating. Um, And it's funny. When I first got there, I remember asking my boss, like, wait, am I allowed to have a boyfriend? Or like, do I have to be like the single girl face of Hinge? That's like so my funny. job description was literally the face of Hinge on social media. Wow. Um, and so I wasn't sure if I would like, if it would be a bad thing if I had a boyfriend. Um, but I ended up getting into a relationship probably like five, four or five months into being at Hinge. Um, it was a long distance relationship. We met through a friend. It um, it only lasted for like four months. It, the distance thing just like it didn't work out. Um, but then that's when... I went through a breakup again and then I was able to open up about my breakup. And that was really like a big moment in realizing how much me being like vulnerable would make an impact. And so after that, I, that's when I, that's actually what inspired me to start dating sucks, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting because when I was 
on Hinge and working at Hinge, I had to kind of go back and forth on whether or not to even include Hinge in my profile. Because if like, you know, it says like where you work, people would be like, you don't actually work at Hinge. Like, or people would be like, oh, are you going to make memes about me? Like, if I go on a date with you, are you going to tell the world like what we talk about? And so it was, it was a kind of complicated situation. But then there were times where I would take Hinge out of my profile. And of course, like in starting to talk to someone like, oh, like, where do you live? What do you do? And I'd be like, I work at Hinge. And they like literally would be like, no, you don't. Yeah. And they would think I was just like fucking with them or that I was going to like do an experiment on them or something like just there for market research is like um, everyone would ask. Oh, my God. Uh, how to lose a guy in 20 days kind of a thing 10 days now it's oh my God, tw- now, days. now we're making it 20 yeah well <laughs> honestly I feel like it'd be like two <laughs> I could easily accomplish that um but yeah that's I mean it's a good point but I hadn't I hadn't thought about that and and it's not like I mean and that's even even another layer of complication like it's not like dating in New York is easy in any way shape or form I mean I lived here for two years I can't even count the number of hinge dates I went on and like I'm such a person who I can sit down and within like 10 minutes I know if I'm gonna ever want to see this person again Mm -hmm. and like 90% of the time it's no no, I don't ever want to see this person again but then you're like okay well I have to entertain this conversation for you know an hour an hour and a half two hours and it can be kind of discouraging what advice would you give to people going through that and especially I mean I don't know about you but like the pandemic has kind of made it seem like we lost two years of our prime years and like seeing engagements and weddings and of people who were together before COVID is like oh shit like did I just miss like the best years of my life and like obviously no but it definitely can seem that way sometimes I definitely get like I personally get in my head like that so yeah what advice would you give to someone who's maybe had a couple of bad hinge dates or just dates in general or not you know found the right person yeah look first of all it's really hard um it is it is a really hard thing and it's hard to feel like you're left behind and you're falling behind where you should be or where you plan to be at this time. Um, and it's even harder when, yeah, like you said, like literally every time you open Instagram, someone new has gotten engaged. Oh my gosh. And I cannot even imagine what's about to come in the next two months. No, it's, it's absolute madness. And it, even if you felt so confident and you're like, okay, it's fine. Like COVID happened, whatever. I'll, I'll get out there and I'll find someone like, and then you, like you felt good. And then the second you start to see all of these engagements, all of these weddings, people are like having babies now. It's, it's crazy. And it makes you really question like, am I doing something wrong? Or like, what's wrong with me that it seems like everyone else can find love and I can't. And you have to kind of take a step back and think about it from the perspective of like, you're trying to find your person. Mm-hmm. There are so many people out there and you're trying to find someone who you can actually build a life with. And first of all, make sure that like you're in a place to be dating because I know there are times in the past where I've dated and it just, it, it keeps not working out and, and it's so draining. It's so upsetting. It's so like, what is wrong with me? And when in hindsight, I was not in a place to find 
a relationship. I was not in a place to like actually be a partner to somebody. And so I almost wish I had taken that time to not date and really focus on myself and get myself back to a good place. The other thing is like, you might go on a lot of dates where you don't like them or you like somebody and then you get that text after like, hey, like I just wasn't feeling it, but like you're great, glad we met, wish you the best of luck. Or you don't get that text at all and you get ghosted and it can feel like, okay, well, I just went on 20 dates and like I, I'm still nowhere. Or, like I, I am not any closer to finding my person. Well, like that's 20 dates, that's 20 people. And like it makes sense that there could be 20 people that you don't, fit with like you're trying to find somebody whose personality whose life experiences whose values align or are complementary to yours and Mm -hmm. that's not an easy thing to do and so it's okay to not to have that happen later than you thought it would and like it's also I know it's like okay like as every year older we get like we're running out of time as women it's like there's IVF there's freezing eggs there's freezing embryos like there are a million different things to do that like at this moment it's probably like I mean, it's the best time in history to be finding somebody later. Yeah. Um, and you also have to think of it as like these, all the other people out there who are getting engaged and getting married, they're not all going to end up together. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And I think, and even as you mentioned, like you may go on a date with someone and, and like be like, eh, it was okay. And then they send that text and you're, and then you feel bad about yourself and it's like, wait, did I even like that person? Yes. Like, it's, no, I didn't. I just like the the rejection is like what I'm focusing on. But yes. you need to kind of reframe it and be like, like, did I want to actually go on a second date with that person? One thousand percent. I I can't even tell you the number of people who like I thought I was just like obsessed with because I was just obsessing over, am I going to get that text? Are they going to want to see me again? Like it was always, do they like me? And it was never like, do I even like them? Yeah. And once I kind of realized that, it was actually really interesting where – I um, I am in a relationship now. And when I met my boyfriend um, at the time, there was somebody else I was going on dates with. And I was su- like obsessing over that guy. I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like, when is he going to text me? Like, when are we going to make other plans? Like, oh no, I'm going to visit family in Florida next week. What if I don't see him before then? It was just like this all-consuming thing. And I ended up going on a date with Jake, who is my now boyfriend, at the same time as this obsession was happening. And... My date with Jake was like really just fine. It was fine. I was like, oh, maybe I'll see him again. Maybe not. Like, who knows? And he texted me right, like an hour later, making sure I got home and was like, I had a really great time and I'd love to see you again. And I was like, okay. Yeah. That's really refreshing. Like, I didn't even have to wait till the next day, get anxious, wondering if he was going to text me or not. Sure. And so I saw him again and, and I was going, um, away for three weeks at that time. And he was like, I know you're, he texted me right after again, our second date. And he was like, I know you're like going home and then going away, but I'd love to talk while you're gone and see you when you're back. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm freaking the heck out because this other dude was not like responding to me. And all I, I like wasn't even into Jake. I was just like, okay, sure. This guy's giving me attention. Great. I feel comfortable with that. Fine. I know he's there. I didn't for a second ask myself like, this other guy, let's call him Brad. I did not even like Brad when it came down to it. Yeah. At all. It was a chase. It was a chase. And it was the anxiety of not knowing where his head was at. But I never even checked in with where my head was at. And seeing the difference between how anxious I felt about Brad versus how comfortable I felt with Jake because of the way he was communicating, the way he wasn't making me feel anxious. Like, that is what made me think, like, oh, my God, like, 
maybe Jake is the answer. Like, like maybe Jake is actually right because this is so different. This feeling of not feeling like the world is going to absolutely end if I don't hear from Brad again. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I mean, there's so many cliches about like dating and the right person and a lot I don't necessarily agree with, but I think one that I really do is like when you're with a person who's like right for you, it feels like safe. And and because I remember uh, the previous boyfriend I had and we broke up, but it was pretty amicable. And I just remember like if he didn't text me for a little bit, he would text and say, hey, sorry, I was – at the gym or hey mm-hmm. sorry I wasn't checking my phone and for someone who's like has crazy anxiety I needed that like yeah. I needed that answer of like oh my gosh why isn't he texting me back and like and what was ironic though is at that same time I was never really worried like that he wasn't texting me back because I was like I felt comfortable and safe in our relationship um, whereas you know other guys who I'll go on dates with similarly and I'm like oh my god he hasn't texted me in three days like he's totally not into me anymore and then it fails uh, obviously and I'm like oh my gosh like what I do wrong blah blah blah. and then I kind of have to remember what my relationship was like um with my ex of like wow okay he hasn't texted me but I'm not freaking out and I'm not worried because he's a good person and we get along and there's nothing to freak out about which was huge for me considering like my anxiety of not getting a text in two seconds and being like, oh my God, they hate me. Yep. So that's that's such a good point. Kind of, I mean, kind of going back to what you said before about um, being like mentally whole in yourself before dating, I think that's so important and I'm such a firm believer in like you have to fully love yourself before you can be in a place where you can let someone love you and and love them back. And I think people have, like, different views on that. But, like, what is your view? I've definitely flip-flopped back and forth. Um, and I, I've i talked about this a lot with different people. And I think a realization I recently had was before I actually did love myself and did work through everything I needed to work through, I said, no, that's not true. Like, that, like everyone is lovable and you can be in a relationship like maybe you just need to find that other person who's going to make you love yourself and make you see all these things about yourself and that was my viewpoint before I I got myself into a good place where I really did actually like love myself and I think quarantine really helped with that because I had to spend a lot more time with myself than I ever had before and I had to learn to like do activities on my own like coloring in my adult coloring books (laughs) and like love doing that and I can like spend time with myself and know that like if I don't have plans on Thursday or Friday night, like that, that's fine. That doesn't mean I I'm a loser. That doesn't mean anything. Like I can still have a relaxing night and like enjoy my own company. And I like understand all the things I've been through and, and that they made like made me who I am today. And I think until I got to that place where I felt really comfortable with myself and, and like loved myself, I never understood why. But now being in that better place and being on the other side, oh my God, the the me before was not ready for a relationship. Like the the previous version of me had so much shit to work through where I don't think it ever could have worked with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Like from personal experience, like I had a really bad eating disorder and 
so much of dating is, you know, going out to restaurants. Mm. And I fully, I think I probably in hindsight turned down dates because I was so scared of like the pressure to go to a restaurant and eat with some person and God forbid eat too much. And like I, I think not, I think I subconsciously like shut myself off from dating while also, but like didn't know I was doing that and while also being in the headspace of like no one likes me. Right. But even though I was probably turning down people or, or avoiding situations that could have led to a partner or like led to meeting a partner because, you know, you're going out with friends at a restaurant and you see a guy. Like there was probably so many opportunities I missed, which it took a while for me to kind of come to terms with and forgive myself for. But in it, it's so true. It's like if – and also – with the anxiety, like if I had still been in that place with anxiety and been freaking out about when people wouldn't text me back and in super people pleasing, you know, being a super people pleaser, I don't think I would have been, I think I would have literally stressed out every single day and been like, oh my God, they hate me. They're going to dump me, blah, 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 rather than being fully comfortable with myself, loving myself and, and knowing that whoever I feel comfortable with or am with is going to text me back and if they don't then they're not my person yeah it's also kind of realizing that if you're not in a a good place and in the right place for a relationship like somebody's gonna come in they're gonna seemingly make your life so much better and you're gonna think that like oh my god this person fixed me like this person is the reason why I am okay now and my life is great again and everything is like butterflies and rainbows and sunshine and you're going to have that dependency on them Mm -hmm. because that person equals happy you and without that person you are not happy you and guess what if you are so dependent on somebody else like that ultimately it's going to fail because they are going to feel that and they're going to feel that pressure and they're not always going to be able to pick you up and make that world sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. And the problem with that is that when it ends, that is when like your world will literally shatter. Yeah. And you'll be in a worse place. And it's like, it's like the concept of like your other half. It's like, no, you're your whole, you're a whole person. And someone will come along to supplement that and add Mm -hmm. to your life and add greater things, but they're not going to fix you. They're not going to – and if they do, like that's a red flag and you should probably avoid that relationship because no one can fix you except yourself. Yeah. I recently kind of was looking at a Venn diagram randomly and I realized like a relationship should be a Venn diagram where – there, you each have your own separate parts yeah. of who you are and what fills up your cup and what makes you you. And then you have the overlap of who you are together in this partnership, in this relationship, what makes you both happy together, the things you do together. But you can still then go off to your own side and they can go off to their side and live life in a positive, healthy way. And then you can come together and continue to live life yeah. in that positive, healthy way. That's such a great way to look at it. And I feel like I'm such a like math nerd and like like visualizing things. But I feel like that's a good way to even like analyze a relationship with someone of who you maybe are being like, is this person right for me? Do I just like them for X, Y, Z? But being like, okay, what do they do on their own? What do I – like what values do I have? What are our shared values? What do we do together? And it's like if the Venn diagram just becomes one big circle, like maybe – like reassess. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It should almost be like even Mm -hmm. of like – there are, let's say, like 10 
10 bullets under the Alana part, 10 bullets under the Zoe part, and then 10 bullets under Alana and Zoe. Yeah. That's such an awesome way to look at it. So one thing I, I really want to talk about is kind of the intersection between mental health and dating. Um, so it's Th- funny. Those two intersect? No oh way. <laughs> Literally like, wait, especially nowadays. I mean, I, I can't even imagine, but – I'm trying to think of a good example. So do you watch The Bachelor? Of course. Okay, yeah. So one thing... But I haven't watched this week's. I won't give it any spoilers. But I think one thing that's kind of upset me with The Bachelor recently is that I feel like it's almost become a competition of who's had like the most trauma in their life. Yes. And it's like if a person doesn't open up about you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to them in their life or, like, a parent's passing or what X, Y, Z. It's like, oh, they're not being vulnerable. And – which is a toxic way to approach a relationship in self because it's something completely built on um, trauma bonding. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I do see the importance of, you know, opening up about mental health and – or you know, your past experiences, which maybe weren't the best, um, because, uh, like, those are obviously a huge part of you. So I guess my question is, like, when, if ever, do you believe is the appropriate time to bring up, like, either a current or historical battle with mental health or, you know, something that you experienced um, with someone you're seeing or dating, et cetera? Yeah. Well, first of all, before I get to answering that, Yes, I totally agree because when Brandon was telling Michelle about his grandpa, how he wished he could introduce her to his grandpa, I was sitting here with Jake and we were like, it sucks because he's being literally so genuine and you can tell how much his grandpa meant to him. But he's saying that his grandparents died. We all have grandparents who die. Like that is a thing that happens. Whereas everyone else is saying like all of these like way more intense things. And she and she's sitting there and like having to give as much of a response to it where like, it probably realistically doesn't carry as much weight, but it does for him. Yeah. It does for him. And it's so true. But it's like comparing and contrasting whose traumas are worse, like exactly like you said. And, and yeah, it is crazy how it's like, well, they're not opening up. Like I need more from them. And, and then like all they need is that one-on-one where they're at the dinner table, not eating the food and the person like pours their heart out. It's also like, not everyone wants to do that on national TV. Yeah. After like two weeks of knowing them personally. Literally, yeah. So I, I do think it it puts a really kind – it puts trauma and mental health and our past experiences under a microscope in a way where it's it's not reality. Like you don't just go on two dates with somebody and then sit down and tell them every single detail about you. And it it it's not like – a game of who's had a worse past. Um, but yeah, you're right in saying that like it does make it seem like it. Um, and then, so to answer your question, I wish I had a real answer of like on X number date or like before, after you become exclusive, but before you like are boyfriend, girlfriend, but it really is just a matter of when you feel comfortable, but when you feel comfortable, or in a, in a sense where like you also feel like it's time to where like you think that these things are going to start impacting your behavior or you're getting you're starting to get close you're realizing you like them and and that is a problem 
for you because the last time you did that, something happened. So it makes you afraid and you might start to pull back. That would be the time for you to then tell them and say, I do really like you. I'm scared because these things happened in the past. I might pull back a little, but that doesn't mean I like you any less. And I, all I ask is that you're patient with me. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. It's, it's funny. I like recently read um, Daring Greatly, which I should have read a gazillion years ago, but, but by Brene Brown. And she talks about this whole concept of, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the term, but it's basically like when people, oh, it's like oversharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two different types of overshare or, or like oversharing. And one is like, basically when you, when you tell that story or like, you know, when you talk about something deeply personal or that you experienced, it's like, you have to take a step back and be like, why am I sharing this? Is it so I feel better or is it to better this relationship or like, you know, to help them? Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was, I mean, that was one of the things I took away from the book and I thought it was so interesting because I definitely sometimes overshare. I mean, I literally have a podcast where I talk about like every mental health thing I've battled, but, and sometimes I'd be like, wait, am I sharing this just because it feels really great to get off my chest or am I sharing this because... I know someone out there listening will take this and it will really resonate with them and it will help them through their day. And so I think it's kind of similar with dating where like I in the past have definitely on like a first date been like, yeah, and then this one time like I had crazy depression and then the was probably like, okay, like definitely never talking to you again. Yeah, but same. And it's like revealed all of that. But then at the same time, like, for example, I lost um, a really close friend to suicide um, around Christmas time. So, like, this time's always really hard for me. So, if I'm, like, distant and, like, my friends know this, but I – my newer friends, like, I warned being, like, listen, the holidays are really tough for me. I usually kind of, ret- like, retreat and mm-hmm. stick to myself. And this is why. I think it's kind of, you know, t- to help them understand why you're being – like, acting yeah. a certain way or, you know – maybe seeming different and not letting them kind of interpret your actions. Absolutely. And it's also, and it can be about anything. Like it's not limited to having a, a, like depression around a certain thing or being afraid for something. Like, I mean, I know for me, like with my dating anxiety, like you said, like if somebody doesn't text you back, like it's like, oh my God, they hate me. Like I, when there was somebody who I I did really like and, and saw like maybe this could go somewhere and we were going on a bunch of dates and every single date felt amazing. But then in between, if I wouldn't, I wouldn't hear from him. And I was just like, I don't understand what is happening. And like, for me, it just caused me so much anxiety that I had to finally say to him, like, are you just like the world's worst texture or what? Because I literally think you hate me. And then I'm shocked when you ask to see me again. And he was like, Oh my God, what? No, like I'm just not on my phone that much. And I was like, okay, like you promise it's just that. And he's like, yeah, like, and I was like, okay, like I, I think that just kind of threw me off guard. Cause like, I am a really big texter. So then when I wouldn't hear from you between dates, it made me question like where your head was at. And he was like, no, not at all. Like, I really like where things are going. If, if it would help you, if I texted you more, like I can absolutely do that. Yeah. And he did. And that showed me like, okay, this person is somebody that does care and is open to hearing my struggles and working through them with me. Yeah, though that's so true. And it's just like kind of points to the importance of communication and just and 
and transparency exactly. being like this i need this from you if you could and like what what can and then on the flip side you know what can i do to you know make you feel more comfortable in this relationship or whatever yeah and i know sometimes like we it, it's really scary to say these things like it can be really terrifying and and you can kind of say like well what if they don't like me after i say it or what if it ruins everything that's going on and i change the dynamic it's like the way they respond and react to something serious about you and and your mental health and and what makes you feel good like if they respond in a negative way or they kind of dismiss it that says everything you need to know about them yeah they're not the right person for you they're just not yeah it's so true and and i think it's so easy to take that personally and be like oh no i shouldn't have said that or whatnot but it's like no you saved yourself like however like a year or two years of a horrible relationship that just wasn't meant to work in the first place um so I always kind of wrap up with a few questions that are somewhat related to the podcast but somewhat I don't I never know how to preface that but (laughs) the first question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today that relationship, um, that really toxic relationship that I was describing earlier, uh, it was the hardest time of my life without a doubt. It was me at my worst. Um, I hit rock bottom. I did not think I was ever going to be okay again. And it 1 million percent made me the person I am. It, it inspired me to help other people who feel that way. Um, and I really feel like I also can, can connect with people who are struggling in their dating lives because of it. So it, I, I I actually like teeter back and forth of like if I could undo that or like not have had it happen to me and save myself all that pain would I and like I don't know I don't think so because as terrible as it was and as hard as it was to get through like I did get through it and I'm so much better for it yeah it's like and I mean to put you in this career path that you like are absolutely crushing so I I feel similarly with like situations in my past when I was like really depressed I'm like well would I be in this world of mental health probably not yeah do you believe everything happens for a reason I do and I think with that you don't you might you don't always know the reason Mm -hmm. but like in hindsight it it usually becomes clear yeah it's like kind of good it kind of is like a segue to or from the previous question but I I go back and forth I think there's definitely a reason that can be found in everything that happens. And like that's – and that we should look for those and learn from the experiences. Um, but kind of like one thing that really freaks me out is, you know, the butterfly effect. Yeah. That I know. Ah. freaks me out. Because like literally, I mean, you know, if you hadn't been in that toxic relationship, maybe you would still be working at the job of music and never have come across a job at Hinge. And then it's like, oh my gosh, that I actually asked these questions on a date yesterday, which is a fun oh my fact. God. Who I met on Hinge, um, but he did not think everything. I've ever <laughs> and I was very adamant, so I was like, okay. Um, next question: um, Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? I don't have anything that I live by, but there are things in my life that have made me like really stop and, and question things. And one quote that has stuck with me for probably like five or six years since I heard it. It's very random from the movie We Bought a Zoo, which is a really like unpo- like uncommon movie. Like not many people oh, have watched actually, it. actually, I remember that movie. It's amazing. It is an incredible movie. And I think it is one of the most underrated <laughs> movies that have come out since I've been born. Um, 
But there is a quote from it that says, all it takes is 20 seconds of insane courage. And I promise you something great will come of it. And that. that I think can relate to anything in your life where you feel scared. If it's, you see someone else across a restaurant and you're like, you, you're into them for some reason, like just, just talk yourself up for like, maybe it's 10 seconds or 20 seconds and just say like, okay, just, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Like, go do it. Yeah. You, have, you have nothing to lose, everything to gain. Or even like deciding whether or not to go to therapy for the first time. It's like, all it takes is 20 seconds to pick up the phone and call or send an email or ask a friend, like, do you have someone to recommend? And, but sometimes you just can't build up the courage to do that. And it's like, just try it. Yeah. And it'll like only last 20 seconds. Yep. I love that quote. Do you, what song would be the soundtrack of your life? Oh my God. Well, apparently I'm in Olivia Rodrigo's top 0.5% of listeners. Wow. <laughs> um, so uh, the soundtrack of my year was driver's license <laughs> uh, for 2021. But the soundtrack of my life, um, oh my God, this is the hardest question in the world. Yeah, it's really hard. I, I added it recently. <laughs> ah, okay. I have, a, I have a playlist called Top 10 where it's like my top 10 favorite songs of all time. I, it changes over time. And, but I'm, I never let myself have more than 10 songs. Oh, I like that. Um, and oh, I'm looking at it right now. Can I just read you the list? Yeah. Okay. Best in, in no particular order. Best Day Ever, Mac Miller, Good Life, Kanye and T-Pain, Ride of Your Life, John Gregory, incredible song. Most of you probably haven't heard it, but it's amazing. Catch and Release, Matt Simmons, Break Free, Ariana Grande, World Spins, Madly On, The Weepies, Hard to Break, Kim Petras, Latch, Sam Smith, Disclosure, Someone to You, Banners, Hold On, Jonas Brothers. Love it. That's a good mix. Yeah. It's a, it's a very wide variety of music. Yeah. I, that, that counts. It's like your, your EP, your life's yeah. EP. Maybe we'll go with hold on for that. <laughs> when you love someone and they break your heart, don't give up on love. Have faith restart. Just hold on. Oh, Jonas Brothers, wise words. Um, what do you love most about yourself? Oh, that's such a nice question. <laughs> um, Wow. I don't think about the things I think about myself that often. Isn't that crazy? Literally, whenever I ask this question, it's the hardest question. Yeah. Yeah. For some. Some people are like, let me list. I'm like, damn, I wish I had that mentality. Yeah. Um, I think I love my ability to connect with people and to understand or if I don't understand, to, to want to understand their experiences and and how they feel and where I can fit into that to maybe help them um and and help in a sense of like maybe this person is somebody I could like have a really great time with or like help them have a really great time versus like someone who's struggling with something and dating I just feel like we all have so many different life experiences and and you need to be aware of that and understanding of that that not everyone has had the same experiences that you have had and you won't always relate to other people's experiences but you need to be open to learning about them yeah no I completely like feel the same and that's definitely one I would say about myself and I think it's funny because so many podcast hosts like that I interview have a similar Mm -hmm. um like attribute that they like whether it's curiosity or things like that and I think it is why we like have this job and it because 
I also just love learning about people and like love learning more perspectives. And it's, I'm sure you feel the same of like, I've learned so much from the people I've interviewed. It's insane. Like oh, the amount that we both have learned probably since we started podcasting is ridiculous. Yeah. Like I did not need to go to college. No. <laughs> Sorry, parents. But like it's, and it also just, I don't know. I, I found, and I, I'm kind of pulling some of this from like my date yesterday because he was very, he's a nice guy, but like, very cynical and like believed people were inherently bad and Ooh. yeah i was like that's hot take it's a very hot take or like didn't not necessarily when you bring on a, out on a first date but um i was saying like i don't know having this podcast made me think like people are inherently good because it just showed me faith in humanity and yeah. i yeah i don't know i don't know how like i can speak to oh, classic new york um you know, so many people and like learn from the, and these incredible stories and hear all this vulnerability and like have a cynical view of the world. Yeah, I, I think I agree that like based on everyone I've talked to and, and everyone's stories that I've heard, I, I do think that people are inherently good, but it's the experiences, the things that happen to people, the the places they live, the worlds that they're like born into where it takes a lot to overcome things and to push through things and sometimes situations do end up getting the best of you yeah oh absolutely and then there's like the the rare sociopath like narcissist that that (laughs) doesn't count story yeah um and final question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city by letting myself cancel plans to just sit on my couch with a good movie or my coloring book or Barkley, my puppy, and just relax. I'm really bad at relaxing, especially living in the city where I, I feel like there's always something to do. I'm always missing out on something. Um, but there is nothing I love more than like canceling plans to just have a night for myself. Yeah, same. <laughs> Alana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so you're such you're so awesome and exactly like how I imagine you to be. Where can everyone follow you, listen to seeing other people, just plug everything? Well, thank you so much for having me. Also, before I get into that, I just need to say, if you guys haven't like seen Zoe's face, she has one dimple and I'm so jealous because I've always wanted like one dimple. It's true. I do have one you dimple. Have one, I'm like, that's the best trait ever to have one dimple. I don't think everyone's ever pointed that out. That's so funny. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very jealous. Um, so yay for you and your one dimple. <laughs> but no, thank you so much for having me. This has been really awesome. You can find me everywhere at Ilana Dunn. I, I spell my name I l-a-n-a so alana dunn and then seeing other people is at seeing other people on all social platforms and wherever you listen to podcasts awesome well thanks again and bye everyone bye